What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian MMA podcast. I am your host, and my name is John. And this week, we are back to analyze the UFC 263 pay-per-view going down tomorrow night, June 12th, 2021, headlined by Israel Adesanya versus Marvin Vittori 2. This 14-fight car will take place from Glendale, Arizona, which means it will take place in the large UFC cage. Just a quick recap of last week's podcast. It was a great podcast for picks and bets. I predicted 8 out of 13 fights correctly. One fight went to no contest, so it's more like 8 out of 12 fights correctly. And I profited 6.85 units on official track bets. I have one on my track bets on 9 out of the past 11 UFC events. So make sure you're following me and tailing my bets on my Bet MMA Tips page. You can find me on at Martian MMA on Bet MMA Tips. You can find it in the YouTube description, my Twitter profile. It's all over the place. So make sure you're following me there to find my official track bets. And we got a stacked 14 fight card, great pay per view card, a lot of good fights. We're going to be analyzing all 14 fights here shortly. The first fight is in the heavyweight division. We have Carlos Felipe as the minus 161 favorite, taking on Jake Collier as the plus 141 underdog. I think this line is a bit wide, and I do already have a track bet on this fight. That is one unit on Jake Collier's money line at plus 170 odds. So I have beaten the line moving by a good amount, got in a plus 170. It's hovering around plus 140 now. So make sure you're following me on Bet MMA Tips so you get email notifications every time I send out a bet so you get that best closing line. Now getting down to this matchup, it just seems like a competitive 50-50 striking fight to me. Both these guys are strikers, neither are really known for hitting takedowns, and both have pretty solid output. We saw Philippe in a highly entertaining striking fight against Justin Toff in his last fight. We saw Collier outstrike John Vellante with some high output, and Collier's leg kicks, his boxing looked sharp, his output, his cardio looked really good in that fight, and Philippe had a very close fight with Toffa. A lot of people thought Toffa won that fight, and Philippe ate a lot of leg kicks, a lot of punches in that fight. Toffa went almost 50% with his punches in that fight uh, to the head so Philippe's defense to the punches and leg kicks aren't really good and that's what Collier throws he throws a lot of punches and leg kicks and I think that that's going to make for an extremely competitive striking fight I just see this one as 50-50 maybe a slight edge to Philippe but where the line is at now it is still dogger pass I still think there's some value left on Jake Collier I wouldn't go crazy at this odds, maybe half unit or one unit, because I'm not extremely confident in Collier to win, but I am confident that Collier is the side, especially at plus 170 when I got in. So I'm expecting a competitive striking decision here, and I'm going to pick the underdog, Jake Collier, to edge a close striking fight and win a decision here to pull off the upset victory. The next fight takes place in the lightweight division. We have Ferris Ziem as the minus 120 favorite, taking on Luigi Vendermini as the plus 100 underdog. I also have another track bet on this fight, and that is just a half unit bet on Ferris Ziem's money line at minus 115 odds. I just slightly favor Ziem in this fight at around 55 to 60%. I'm not extremely confident because there are some unknowns about Vendramini. The guy doesn't have much tape available online, but most of his wins pre-UFC are over extremely low-level competition. He got a quick back take on Zaleski Dos Santos in his debut, but then got knocked out. And then he got a quick knockout over Jessen Ayari in his last fight. So I don't think he's really beaten a UFC-level opponent yet. And I think that ZM looks pretty promising. He comes from a kickboxing background. He's steadily improving his defensive grappling. In Ziem's last fight, he did show a bit of a weakness to getting taken down by Jamie Malarkey. He was taken down several times in that fight and spent a few minutes on his back, but he didn't look too bad off of his back. He was making smart decisions, not giving up dominant positions, and he did actually stand up and sweep the top position a few times. So I don't think he's that bad on bottom at all. And based on the limited footage of the grappling of Vendermini that I've seen, I don't think he's good enough of a grappler to take down and hold down Ziem here. I certainly don't think he's a better grappler than Jamie Malarkey, who 
had some success holding Zim down, but still clearly lost the first two rounds of that fight by getting outstruck. And in the striking for this matchup, Vendermini does have some decent offensive striking when he's aggressive and he swarms you early. He can't hurt you with some strikes, but we haven't really seen him late in the fight. We haven't seen him against good competition, so I don't really value a few quick round one finishes over low-level competition. I don't think it's going to translate to this fight at all. So I think that ZM will have a striking advantage and win the striking exchanges on the feet. And I think his defensive grappling is good enough to avoid getting taken down and held on bottom for too long against Vendermini. So the pick for me is going to be ZM to outstrike Vendermini to a decision, and that's going to be my pick, and I have a small bet on ZM's money line at minus 115. I do cap him around 55, 57% here, so I wouldn't go too crazy on his money line, but he is my pick to win here by decision. The next fight takes place in the featherweight division. We have Steven Peterson as the minus 114 favorite, taking on Chase Hooper as the minus 106 underdog. One thing we should note is that Steven Peterson did just miss weight for this fight. He weighed in at 148.5, so a pretty significant weight cut or weight miss, excuse me, for Steven Peterson. You got to wonder how that's going to affect the fight, but I always say when guys miss weight by multiple pounds, it likely means they kind of gave up on making that weight. And if they miss weight by a half a pound, a quarter pound, I think that that's much worse. But Peterson missing by two and a half pounds likely means that he knew he wasn't making the weight, stopped cutting weight, and he's likely not that depleted from that weight cut. So I don't think the weight cut will necessarily affect Peterson much when it comes to the fight time. But getting down to the matchup, it is a Chase Hooper fight. I am not a big fan of Chase Hooper. I think he's a pretty bad fighter, extremely one-dimensional. I mean, if the man can't get the fight on the floor in the jiu-jitsu world, then he is pretty much useless. The guy's striking is terrible. His wrestling is no good. He's pretty physically weak. So I don't really have many good things to say at all about Chase Hooper. Even in jiu-jitsu, I don't think he's that great of a grappler. And a guy like Steven Peterson is well-versed in jiu-jitsu. He's a decent grappler of his own right. And I don't even think that Hooper will have the better jiu-jitsu than Steven Peterson. So I think that Peterson is the better overall MMA fighter. I think he's definitely got the better striking of the two. And even though that Peterson's takedown defense isn't great, he doesn't have the greatest wrestling, I mean, he's fighting Chase Hooper, who also has really bad wrestling. I mean, in Hooper's last fight against Peter Barrett, Hooper was a minus 300 favorite there. Barrett had a really bad defensive grappling tape, and people assumed that Hooper was just going to run through him and submit him, but Hooper had a really tough time taking him down, and it took until round three to get in some leg lock scramble for Hooper to finally catch Barrett in a submission. But as long as Peterson doesn't get caught in some bonehead scramble like Barrett did in that fight, I think that Peterson should be the better fighter, land the better strikes, and avoid getting taken down and spending a lot of time on his back. And that's the only way I think he can lose the fight. If Chase Hooper doesn't get takedowns, he can't win the fight. So I'm picking Steven Peterson to win here. It's not an extremely confident pick because Peterson has had a two-year layoff. He does train at Fortis MMA, which I think is a really bad camp. And he did miss weight for this fight. So I am a bit reluctant to trust Steven Peterson with a bet here. I think there's a bit too many question marks over him to really trust him as the side here. But I would certainly not bet on Chase Hooper, especially not at evens. I think that Peterson is the side, and he is a bit of a risky bet. You're going to have to go out on a bit of a limb, but I think that he is the fighter worth betting on in this matchup. I cannot advise laying any type of money on Chase Hooper with how bad of a fighter he is. So even with the question marks around Peterson, I'm picking him to win here via decision. And if you're feeling a bit risky, then go out on a limb and take that Peterson money line. If you're feeling safe, then uh, maybe pass on and wait for another fight. But Peterson decision is the pick. The next fight takes place in the lightweight division. We have Matt Frivola as the minus 230 favorite, taking on Terrence McKinney as the plus 195 underdog. Terrence McKinney is making his short notice UFC debut here. He fought just about a week ago 
in the LFA promotion, getting a first-round knockout. And McKinney does come from a wrestling background. He doesn't look like that great of a wrestler or a grappler, though, I have to say. And in McKinney's past few fights, he's definitely fallen in love with his striking a bit. Got a few head kick knockouts. Won his most recent fight by ground and pound knockout. So it looks like McKinney might be falling in love with the striking a little bit. But when watching tape on McKinney, I think the guy fights really wild. He doesn't really fight with much process or much intelligence. And he also hasn't beaten anybody good. The two UFC-level opponents he's fought, Woodson and Derek Minner, both finished him. He did take down Woodson and get a back take in round one, but looked a bit slow in round two. Ducked right into a flying knee and got knocked out cold in that fight. Again, not too impressed with what I've seen from McKinney, but respect to the guy for stepping up on short notice here. He's taken on Frivola, who I think Frivola should have his number everywhere. I think that Frivola should be a bit more comfortable in the feet. Frivola is a seasoned grappler and wrestler as well, so I don't think he'll really be out of his comfort zone if McKinney attempts to get the fight to the floor. In this matchup, I think that Frivola should have a slight advantage everywhere. I think he's fought and beaten the much better competition, and I think that's going to go a long way in this fight. And who knows how McKinney's cardio will look in the later rounds too because most of his fights end in the first round or two. And he isn't really experienced late in fights. So Frivola should have a cardio advantage. I give him a striking advantage. And he shouldn't be out of his realm in the grappling at all. So I give slight advantages to Frivola everywhere. But at minus 230, Frivola is not exactly the fighter who's trustable at that price. So I guess it is dog or pass at this point. Um, but the pick for me is going to be Matt Frivola by decision. The next fight takes place in the women's flyweight division. We have Penny Kienzad as the minus 200 favorite, taking on Alexis Davis as the plus 170 underdog. I think the line is pretty appropriately set for this fight, and it's a pretty clear striker versus grappler matchup in my opinion. Penny Kienzad is a pretty sharp boxer, one of the better boxers in the women's division, and she has pretty steady output, good cardio to go the full 15 minutes, and she has outboxed opponents for the full 15 minutes before. Her takedown defense isn't the best, but she is fighting Alexis Davis, who isn't really a traditional wrestler. Davis likes getting the fight to the floor, and I only think that she can win this fight if she gets the fight to the floor, but she doesn't really shoot double leg or single leg takedowns. She's mostly known for catching kicks and turning those kicks into takedowns, but unfortunately for her, Pandy Kanzad is majorly boxing. I think about 70-80% to 80 of her offense is boxing. So I doubt Pandy even throws many kicks to leave the opportunity for herself to be taken down. And unless Alexis Davis comes in here with an extremely aggressive wrestling game plan, shooting single legs and double legs, I don't think that she's going to win this fight. I think that Penny Kianzad's defensive grappling is good enough to stuff the takedowns, and she should outbox Davis very easily on the feet. And Davis's face swells and bleeds a lot, so we could see a TKO, cut stop, or something like that here from accumulated damage. Because if Davis can't get this fight on the floor, I think she's going to get lit up with the boxing of Kianzad here. So this fight is pretty appropriately priced, in my opinion. I think the only way that Davis can win is really a decision from out grappling. So just take Davis by decision if you like her. And I think that Panny could win the fight by knockout or decision. I'll pick decision as the official pick. And that's going to do it for this fight. Panny decision is the pick. The next fight takes place in the featherweight division. We have Mosvar Ivalev as the minus 228 favorite taking on Hakim Dawadu as the plus 138 underdog. I think this line is pretty accurately set, and this is a great fight between two really good fighters, I have to say, but I just think the grappling of Ivalev will be too much here. I think that when the fight is in the feet, we're going to see some really competitive striking exchanges, the boxing of Ivalev versus the varied offense of Dawadu. Dawadu is a really skilled striker. He's got good boxing kicks. He's really skilled in the clinch with his knees and elbows as well, so when the fight is in the feet, I do think that Hakeem Dawadu will have a slight striking advantage. 
but when the fight gets to the floor, I think it should be pretty one-way traffic for Mosfar Ivalev. Ivalev is a great grappler. He can wrestle well. He can hold opponents down well. And he's just a really smart fighter who is really good at all aspects of MMA. And I think that that's going to be a really tough thing for Hakeem Dawadu to overcome here. As I mentioned, when the fight is on the feet, Dawadu does have an advantage. But Ivalev wrestles pretty consistently. When he gets hit with those big shots in the feet from Dawadu, he's probably going to level change. And I see him being successful doing so. I just haven't seen good enough defensive grappling and takedown defense from Hakeem Dawadu to trust him here. So the pick for me is going to be most far Ivalev to mix in the grappling to win a decision here. I doubt we see a finish from Ivalev here. If we see a finish at all, it's probably going to be a knockout from Hakeem Dawadu. But I think that that is kind of unlikely. And the most likely outcome is competitive striking exchanges, but then one way grappling exchanges for Mosfar Ivalev and he will control Dawadu to a decision so the pick for me is going to be Mosfar Ivalev by decision and where the line is at now even though I think it is accurate this is Ivalev's toughest UFC opponent to date so I think it probably is dog or pass I wouldn't risk laying the chalk on Ivalev money line but maybe Ivalev by decision if the line is appropriate I'm not sure where it's at but it's probably around minus 120 minus 135 there's probably some value on that line the next fight takes place in the women's flyweight division. We have Joanne Calderwood as the minus 145 favorite taking on Lauren Murphy as the plus 125 underdog. I think this line is actually a bit wide and I'm liking Lauren Murphy in this fight. I think the value is all over her at plus 125. And I think that people may be overrating Joanne Calderwood striking a little bit in this fight because when the fight is in the feet, I guess I give Joanne Calderwood a slight striking advantage, but make no mistake. Calderwood's boxing defense is really bad. She was getting lit up with punches versus Jennifer Maya. And Laura Murphy is actually a solid boxer, good output. She throws a lot of leg kicks as well. And the best thing I love about Laura Murphy is her round winning ability. I think that she might have a code with her coaches or something like that. And at the 32nd mark, at the 92nd mark of every round, they're telling her how much time is left in the round. And she looks to hit those late takedowns and end the round in top position, which is a great way to win the rounds. That is easily how she won the fight against Andrea Lee. Andrea Lee was outstriking her for the majority of that fight, but Lauren Murphy hit some key late takedowns in that fight and was able to steal the fight in the eyes of the judges. And I really like that about Lauren Murphy. I think that she's going to do that in this matchup. I think we're going to see competitive striking exchanges, but then she's going to level change. Joanne Calderwood does not have the best takedown defense, and she's also pretty bad off of her back as well. So I think that Murphy's going to hit those takedowns, and that's going to be the thing that differentiates these two is going to be Lauren Murphy's wrestling and the timing of those takedowns to win the round. So like I said, slight striking advantage for Joanne Calderwood when it's standing. But look out for that late takedown attempt of Laura Murphy that I think is going to steal her the rounds in this fight in the eyes of the judges, and she's going to win the decision. Even when the fight's on the feet, though, I think that Murphy's going to be landing punches, her leg kick is going to be landing, and I think that we could even see Laura Murphy surprise some people and win these striking exchanges here. So I think it's kind of even on the feet, and I give a grappling advantage to Laura Murphy here. So I like Laura Murphy at plus 125, and I think I will end up with a bet on her to win this fight, and I'm picking her to win by decision. The next fight takes place in the middleweight division. We have Eric Anders as the minus 145 favorite, taking on Darren Stewart as the plus 125 underdog. So this fight is a rematch of a fight that happened a few months back. The first fight, Stewart, was about a minus 200 favorite, but Eric Anders came out aggressive in round one, hurt him with punches, dropped him, had him extremely hurt, but... Eric Anders made an extremely dumb mistake and illegally need Darren Stewart in the head. It should have been a disqualification loss for Eric Anders, but he got lucky and the referee gave him a no contest. One thing I should note about this rematch is this fight is at 205 pounds. The first fight was at 185. This is at 205, not really sure why. 
But I think that's a good thing for Eric Anders. He's going to have more muscle, more power behind those punches at 205. And he's probably going to be able to hurt Darren Stewart a lot more than he did in the first fight with that extra power behind his punches. So I guess I'm switching my pick to Eric Anders here. I mean, after seeing that first fight, I guess you'd be kind of a fool to pick Darren Stewart to win again because he just didn't look good there. He looked kind of slow. He wasn't reacting to punches well. His boxing defense wasn't good. And he looked tough. He was very tough by not getting finished by that swarm of offense. But still, he was getting outstruck by Anders. And Anders seemed to have his edge in the striking. And as long as Eric Anders comes out aggressive again and throws that same left hand, throws those combination of punches, he should probably hurt Darren Stewart again and actually find a finish uh, this time. But it's, it's hard to be confident. I mean, Anders and Stewart, neither guy is extremely reliable. They're both very hot and cold. So I will be picking Anders to win a decision here, not a knockout, a decision. But a lot of outcomes are on the table here. It's not an extremely confident pick. And some people, I'm sure, saw the first fight, and they're extremely confident in Eric Anders. Now, I wouldn't be too confident. I mean, this is Eric Anders we're dealing with, not the smartest fighter, and he could find a way to fuck this up. So... The pick is going to be Eric Anders by decision, but again, not confident, and I really wouldn't recommend betting this fight. Maybe just wait and save your money for a different fight. The next fight takes place in the lightweight division. We have Drew Dober as the minus 145 favorite, taking on Brad Riddell as the plus 125 underdog. I think this line is pretty wide and honestly could even be flipped. We could see Brad Riddell as the favorite here in my opinion, and that is because Dober is the first opponent that Riddell is going to face in the UFC who isn't going to try to grapple him very heavily. I mean, Silva, Malarkey, even Mustafaev turned into a grappler when they were fighting Brad Riddell because they wanted nothing to do with the striking of Riddell. Riddell does come from a kickboxing background. He's very fast. He's got power in his hands. One critique of Riddell I will say is he doesn't have the best boxing defense. He's kind of content to rely on his durability at times. But the same thing could be said about Drew Dober. Also doesn't have the best defense and can kind of get in some wild exchanges in the pocket at times. And in this matchup, I just expect very competitive, close striking exchanges between these two. If anyone is attempting the grappling in this fight, I do expect it to be Drew Dober, but I don't think Dober has the wrestling or the top game to take down and hold down Brad Riddell, so I don't expect it to be successful. So in this matchup where I expect it to be striking exchanges for most of the time, I gotta side with the more accomplished kickboxer, the guy who has more experience in the striking realm, and that is Brad Riddell. And I will be picking Brad Riddell to outstrike Drew Dober here. I could see a knockout on either side. These guys are going to trade with each other, but I think if the fight goes to full 15 minutes, we're going to see Brad Riddell make some more reads, be the more intelligent and more layered striker of the two, and he's going to outstrike Drew Dober to a decision here. So at plus 125, I do have a bet on Brad Riddell, one unit on his money line, plus 125, and there's still a lot of value left at that price. And he could even be worth more than one unit play, because as I mentioned, I, I could see him being the favorite in this matchup. If the fight goes to full 15 minutes, I think we will see Brad Riddell show the better overall striking skill as the fight goes on. So I'm picking Brad Riddell to win by decision here. All right, that wraps up the prelim portion of this podcast. Nine fights down on the prelims. We got five fights in the main card. This 14 fight is colossal, and we have three five-round fights on this card, so... This could be looking like an 8-hour fight card tomorrow night, and I'm really excited for it, but the first fight takes place in the main card in the light heavyweight division. We have Jamal Hill as the minus 280 favorite, taking on Paul Craig as the plus 240 underdog. Right off the bat, I think this line is pretty wide, and Paul Craig should not be this much of an underdog. 
This seems like a pretty clear striker versus grappler matchup. Hill is the striker here. When the fight is on the feet, he should have a pretty clear striking advantage. And it's not like Paul Craig is a terrible striker. He is steadily improving his striking, but Hill should be the much better striker, should be landing the more clean shots. And Hill's striking is honestly impressive. He has a very high output. He throws punches, kicks, knees very well, mixes it up with combinations. And I think he's a pretty promising striker and a very fun striker to watch when it's on the feet. And the grappler in this matchup is Paul Craig. He's going to be looking to get to the fight to the floor like he does in most of his fights. And Craig does have some decent wrestling. He's definitely a better jujitsu guy than he is a wrestler. But I do think that Craig has the wrestling skill to take Jamal Hill down. And I say that because of Jamal's Hill's fight against Darko Stosik. Stosik, pretty much every time he shot a double leg takedown, was able to take Jamal Hill down. And it just seems like Jamal Hill's frame, that long, lanky frame, isn't a good wrestling frame. And if guys can get in on his hips, like Darko Stosik did in that fight, they can double leg him. And I think that that's Paul Craig's game plan here. He's going to be looking to hit takedowns. He's going to be looking to keep Jamal Hill on the ground. Now, Darko Stosik wasn't able to get any meaningful top position for most of that fight because Hill was bouncing back up to the feet. But I think that Craig has the better jujitsu and the better control than Stosik. And after Craig gets those takedowns, he's going to have a better chance to hold Hill down and to get some meaningful work with that top position. So based on that concern around Hill's takedown defense, his bottom game, I just think there's no way you could be laying minus 280 chalk on him against a good tough grappler like Paul Craig. And I think the value is all over Paul Craig at that plus 240 money line price. And I likely will end up with a small bet tracked on him on his money line. And I'm not going to be picking Craig to win here. I think I will still pick Jamal Hill to win a decision or an, uh, or by knockout here. I'm actually kind of leaning this fight to go the distance. I think goes the distance is that plus 200 odds. So that might be worth a bet as well. But I think that Paul Craig will get takedowns. He will get some top position. But I could see Jamal Hill's strikes and damage in the feet kind of outweighing that in the eyes of the judges. And I think Hill will squeak by a close decision here. But I hope Paul Craig pulls off the upset. I likely will be betting on Paul Craig's money line here. And hopefully the Bears you can get it done with his grappling. So official pick is going to be Jamal Hill by decision. But I'll be cheering and betting Paul Craig here. The next fight takes place in the welterweight division. We have Bilal Muhammad as the minus 230 favorite, taking on Damian Maya as the plus 195 underdog. Another fight where I think the line is wide and the value is on the underdog Damian Maya here. And it's pretty simple. What grapplers has Bilal Muhammad fought? I mean, throughout most of his career, he's been pretty fortunate to not fight many grapplers. And I think that Damian Maya is the best grappler that he's fought to date. And I just haven't seen good enough takedown defense, good enough defensive grappling from Bilal Muhammad to trust him here against one of the best grapplers of all time in Damian Maya. And even though Damian Maya is old, he's way past his prime. He's still a great grappler. He's still capable of getting takedowns, backpacking guys, getting that typical back take that he gets. And I think he's very capable of out grappling Bilal Muhammad here to either submitting him or winning a decision victory. Now, I don't think Bilal Muhammad is a bad defensive grappler at all. I just think he's untested. I mean, if you look at his past several fights, he hasn't fought a good grappler since Chance Rencounter, who is nowhere near the level of Damian Maia. I mean, he ran into Melender, Sato, Lyman Good, Diego Lima, guys who are known for not grappling. And I just think that him being a minus 230 favorite against the best grappler he's fought in years is wrong, flat out. One concerning thing for Bilal in this fight too is that he doesn't do much damage on the feet when he's striking. He's not known for being a big hitter and he really needs to make those striking exchanges count. He needs to damage Damian Maya when they're at striking range or else Damian Maya will have nothing to discourage him from just shooting in for takedowns. 
So in round one of this matchup, I think I honestly favor Damian Maya. I think he's going to win round one by getting a takedown and either getting a dominant position on the ground or getting a back take or something like that. And as long as Damian Maya can sustain that over three rounds, all he really needs to do is two rounds. In the Anthony Rocco Martin fight, you saw he won his he won the fight with his grappling in the first two rounds and then just completely took round three off because he knew he had the fight won. And a very similar thing could happen here because Bilal is very unlikely to knock him out in the last round. So Damian Maya just needs to win two out of three rounds with his grappling or you know best case scenario find a submission and he can win this fight so i think the damian maya is the value side and i'm going to be doing what i did in the last fight kind of a hedge pick when i'm going to be betting and cheering for damian maya here but in terms of an official pick i'll go with Bilal muhammad to win by decision and i think this fight is very likely to go to the decision the only way i can see it finishing is damian maya by submission but Bilal isn't a terrible grappler so i don't think that that's going to happen necessarily but Damian Maya money line is the best bet for this fight in my opinion and he's going to be he's not going to be my pick but I'm picking Bilal Muhammad by decision and I'll be cheering and betting Damian Maya. The next fight is a five round non-title fight in the welterweight division between Leon Edwards who is the minus 600 favorite taking on Nate Diaz as the plus 400 underdog. This is a pretty stupid matchup you have Leon Edwards who is the second best welterweight in the world taking on Nate Diaz, who is the 42nd best welterweight in the world and who has won one welterweight fight in the past five years. I have no idea why Nate Diaz is in this situation, but they're kind of just throwing him to the wolves here, and Leon Edwards should just clown him everywhere, in my opinion. In the striking, Leon should be the much more diverse, much more technical striker of the two. I mean, Nate Diaz is primarily boxing and doesn't have much varied offense to his game while Leon Edwards is great at distance he's good in the pocket he's great in the clinch he's really good with his knees and elbows and he's probably going to be slicing Nate Diaz's face up with those elbows that's been a pretty common narrative throughout the week but I think it's a pretty true narrative that a cut stoppage for Leon Edwards is on the table here. It's almost likely because of all that scar tissue around Nate Diaz's face and because Leon Edwards is so lethal with those elbows. I mean you saw it in the RDA fight you saw him drop Gunnar Nelson with one the guy has wicked elbows and they land right on the eye so really likely to cause cuts and in Nate Diaz's last fight of course it was stopped due to cut stoppage and just because of how badly Nate Diaz got his ass beat by Jorge Masvidal in that fight. The only possible advantages I give to Nate Diaz in this fight are cardio, maybe being the fresher fighter in rounds 4 and 5. We did see Leon lose rounds 4 and 5 to Cowboy a few years ago but He's since looked really good in rounds 4 and 5 against Rafael Dos Santos in his most recent 5 round fight. And the other advantage you might give to Nate Diaz is in Jiu Jitsu but Nate doesn't have the wrestling to get the fight to the floor. I think that Leon is actually the much better wrestler of the two and if anybody is hitting takedowns here it's going to be Leon Edwards and I don't think that Nate Diaz has much of a chance to get the fight into the Jiu Jitsu round where he might have a pure grappling advantage but Leon Edwards is a great grappler. I mean, he took down Rafael Dos Sanjos, stayed on top of RDA, so I think he could realistically do the same to Nate Diaz here, but I do expect the fight to be primarily striking, and I think that Leon just busts him up there and probably wins by cut stoppage in rounds three or four or five. It's also possible that Leon just knocks Nate out from a legitimate TKO or a legitimate knockout. It doesn't necessarily have to be a cut stoppage because Leon should be the much better striker and should be busting Nate Diaz up throughout most of this fight. And it probably accumulates with the damage in the later rounds. So let's go with a round four TKO for Leon Edwards as the pick here. And I think it should be pretty one-way traffic for Leon Edwards. 
The odds might seem steep at minus 600. They might seem like they're dog or pass. There might seem like there's some value on the fan favorite, Nate Diaz. I do know the most popular bet at Bet Online is Nate Diaz, but do not fall for that trap. There is no value on Nate Diaz. I honestly give Nate Diaz at about a 10% chance of winning the fight, while his odds are currently at 20%. So those odds are off. I think if there's any value left on the money line in this fight, it is on Leon Edwards. Maybe throw Edwards in some parlays because he's a pretty safe pick, and I'm picking him to win this fight by late stoppage uh, round four TKO is the pick and that's going to do it for this fight the next fight takes place for the UFC flyweight championship we have champion Davison Figueredo as the minus 210 favorite taking on Brandon Moreno as the plus 180 underdog this fight is of course a rematch of the fight that took place last December one of the best fights all year the judges scored that fight a draw and I think that was a really bad scorecard in my opinion because Figueredo clearly won rounds 1, 2, 3, and 5 in my opinion. Even with the point deduction for the illegal nut shot from Figueredo, it should be 48-46. I don't know how the judges managed to mess that up. There was some really bad judging uh, by the scorecards there. But in that first fight, we saw Davis and Figueredo just nonstop pressure Moreno. We saw Figueredo had the better jab of the two. We saw Figueredo be the better combination puncher of the two. And throughout about 80% of the fight, Figueredo was in complete control. Fig did lose round four. That was Moreno's best round. But he came back the next round, the fifth and final round, and beat Brandon Moreno very clearly in that round. The body work, the attritional body shots of Figueredo really started to pay dividends in round five there. You saw Moreno slow down. And I think that without the, the breaks in that fight, there were two breaks in that fight. Figueredo had an eye poke and a nut shot. Brandon Moreno got some time to recover from both of those. I think without those two fouls, we could see Moreno slowing down and actually get finished in rounds four and five from that body work, from that attritional work of Davis and Figueredo. In the first fight, we did see Moreno attempt a good amount of takedowns, and he did hit a few brief takedowns, but he didn't really get any meaningful control over Figueredo. Figueredo was constantly scrambling and getting back to his feet, and those takedown attempts were largely unsuccessful. One adjustment that Moreno could make in this fight is instead of shooting takedowns early when Figueredo still has a lot of energy and a lot of ability to scramble, he could save those takedowns for the later rounds where he might be able to catch Figueredo slipping and actually be able to get some meaningful top position time off of those takedowns instead of just getting 10 seconds of takedown time like he did in the first fight in the early rounds. But honestly, I think that Moreno shouldn't really focus on grappling at all. I don't think that he can take down and hold down Figueredo. I do not think he has the top control or the grappling ability of someone like Formiga who was able to control Figueredo on the mat. Other guys who have tried to take down have actually put themselves into danger. Uh, armbar attempts, guillotine attempts, elbows off of his back. Figueredo is very good at attacking off of his back. So I don't think that taking him down is a very legitimate path to victory for Moreno. Moreno is really going to have to win the fight in the striking, in the boxing exchanges, uh, if he wants to win this fight. So to reiterate what I said earlier, I did score the fight pretty clearly for Figueredo the first time. I gave him rounds 1, 2, 3, and 5. And even with the point deduction, he should have won the fight 48-46. We saw Figueredo have the better jab, the better combination punches, the better cardio, and the better attrition. So I really don't understand what reason there is to pick against Figueredo this time. Unless you're really concerned about the weight cut, he did have kind of a tough weight cut, but didn't make the 125-pound limit. I mean, Figueredo always is going to have a tough weight cut. He's a big 125-er, 
And there really isn't any reason to pick against Figueredo, in my opinion. We saw him be the better fighter the first time, and I don't think anything has changed. And I think that he's going to replicate that same first fight and have better success this time. I honestly think we're going to see a finish in the later rounds for Figueredo here. As I mentioned earlier in this segment, I think without those breaks for the eye poke and the nut shot for Moreno, I think that that body work could have added up a lot more, and we could have seen Figueredo finish Moreno rounds four and five, and that's my pick for this fight, a four or five TKO for Figueredo here, and I'm not expecting too competitive of a fight. I mean, the first fight was close and competitive, uh, but it also had a clear winner. I had a guy in control most of the time, and I think that that's what we're going to see again here. Figueredo is going to win the fight, and at minus 205, if he gets under minus 200, I think the Figueredo is worth the bet. I mean, I might have to lock in some action on minus 200 Figueredo myself because we just saw the fight. We just saw the 25-minute fight play out six months ago, and I don't know what what much has changed I think Figueredo is going to do the same thing he did the first time, and I think he's going to win the fight. So the pick is going to be Figueredo knockout round four, and that's going to do it for this fight. The next fight is the main event of the card and takes place for the UFC middleweight championship. We have champion Israel Adesanya as the minus 260 favorite, taking on Marvin Vittori as the plus 220 underdog. Another title fight rematch in this one. These two fought back in April of 2018. Israel Adesanya won the fight via split decision. One judge, Chris Lee, was smoking crack and decided to give the fight for Vittori, but it was a pretty clear round one and two for Israel Adesanya, pretty clear round three for Marvin Vittori, and it was a pretty binary matchup. We saw Israel Adesanya outstrike Marvin Vittori when it was on the feet, win the striking pretty emphatically. And then in round three, when Marvin Vittori hit the takedown, he was able to keep Israel Adesanya off of his back. He was able to win the round from top position. I will say that when Vittori got to top position, he did not do much with that position. He didn't land a lot of ground and pound. He didn't pass guard. He didn't go for submission attempts. He was pretty tired, and he got those takedown attempts and kind of just laid on top. And he didn't really have much energy left to, to go for any meaningful ground and pound or guard passes or submission attempts. We also kind of saw that in Marvin Vittori's last fight against Kevin Holland. He was taking Holland down and laying on top of him, but he wasn't doing a whole lot with that top position. And Holland is really bad on bottom. He just laid on his back for the entire fight. And still, Marvin Vittori was not able to emphatically pass guard or mount him or go for a lot of ground and pound. He was just kind of content to lay on top position and to win the round from top, which there's nothing wrong with. Uh, but he's just not that great from top position. He doesn't do a whole lot after he gets the takedown. So in the fight tomorrow night, even if Vittori hits those takedowns, I don't have a lot of confidence in him to pass guard, to get a submission, to land a ground and pound TKO or anything. I think he's just going to get the takedown and stay on top. So if Vittori wants to win the fight, he's likely going to have to hit takedowns and win three out of five rounds with his top position and his wrestling. I guess there's a minute chance that Vittori finds a finish on the map, but... There's no chance that Vittori wins the fight without wrestling. He needs takedowns to win. If the fight stays in the feet, we will see Israel Adesanya outstrike Vittori just like the first fight. And it's not like Vittori is a bad striker. The guy is a pretty good striker. He's got high output. He's got good boxing from the southpaw stance. But he was just nowhere near Israel Adesanya's level in that fight. And I think the gap between them has probably just widened in the striking. I think that Israel Adesanya continues to get better, continues to get more comfortable with the MMA range of striking. And I think that... Adesanya is probably going to outstrike Vittori by a wider margin than he did in the first fight. 
So I do feel pretty comfortable in saying that Vittoria's takedowns are bust here. I do not think that he can win the fight without takedowns. And even if he does get takedowns, he doesn't do enough with his top position for me to be confident that he wins the fight with those takedowns. He's not going to be passing guard. He's not going to be landing a lot of ground and pound. He's going to be trying to conserve his energy, stay on top, and win rounds. And it is possible that he wins three out of five rounds like that. He could win a decision with his grappling. But I'm not trusting him to do so. It took him 10 or 12 minutes to get the takedown in the first fight. And even after Vittori got the takedown, he was so exhausted from the beating he took on the feet in the first two rounds, he wasn't able to do anything meaningful with the takedown. So in this rematch, I will be picking Isra Adesanya to get the victory. I think he's going to outstrike Vittori pretty badly and he's going to be able to stuff those takedowns, get up off the of bottom, and to get back to outstriking Vittori at range. In terms of pre-fight money line though, I will say it is dog or pass on Vittori here. I wouldn't recommend laying the chalk on Adesanya at minus 280 considering there is a way for him to lose this fight. Even though I do not think it happens, I think it's enough of a possibility to where I wouldn't recommend laying that minus 280 chalk beforehand. So the official pick for me is going to be a late knockout from Adesanya here. Hey, I picked round four knockout two times in a row. I picked Leon round four knockout, Fig round four knockout. So let's go with Isra Adesanya round four knockout as the official pick. I could see it being round three, four, five knockout or possibly just a really wide decision. But I think Isra Adesanya is going to pour it on. Vittori is going to slow down in those later rounds. And we're going to see Israel find a finish. So the pick once again, Israel round four knockout. So that is going to do it for this episode of the Martian MMA podcast. We analyzed, predicted, and discussed the betting lines for all 14 fights going down tomorrow night on this colossal UFC 263 card from Glendale, Arizona. It's going to be great to be in front of the fans again for these big pay-per-view events. It makes them feel a lot more special. And I hope you're all able to win some bets. Make sure you're tracking my official bets on my Bet MMA Tips page, which can be found in the YouTube description, my Twitter profile, or just Google Bet MMA Tips Martian MMA. I have one on my track bets on nine of the past 11 events and we're finally in the profit for the year 2021 up 10 units on the year so make sure you're checking out my official track bets I already have several track bets for this card and i might add a few more over the next 24 hours so make sure you check right before the event starts and hope you all enjoy the fights tomorrow hope you all win some money and i'll see you before the next ufc event peace